Amen. All right. So two of my favorite passages as we talk about this idea of mental health. Uh, there's two verses I want to just kind of share as we get started here this morning before I introduce uh, our guests. Uh, but the first one comes out of Jeremiah 17, verses 9 through 10. And, and th these two verses are why I think it's incredibly important uh, to make sure whenever we seek professional help, I believe it is imperative that we seek Christian professional help. And the reason why it comes out of these two verses in Jeremiah 17, 9-10 says this, the human heart is most deceitful above all things. It is desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And the heart there is actually the mind. It's the seat of the emotions. It's the Hebrew word there is actually the seat of the emotions. Who can really know our feelings? Who can really know our mind? Who can really know our emotions? It's a great question, but God answers it. He says, but I, the Lord... Uh, search all hearts and examine secret motives, all right? Our secret motives come from the way that we think. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. We focus on a lot of health issues externally, but a lot of times we neglect our spiritual minds. And then when we do seek help, we go to secular counselors and then who offer no, sec no help coming from the perspective of God. And so we're trusting secularism to answer a spiritual question where, and then you can just fill in the blanks where you think that might go bad. So then you might say, well, that's Old Testament. I know, well, I, I want to go to the New Testament, which is my second verse what, that I love to go to when I think about mental health issues. And it's Romans 12 too, and it says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way how you think. Right? So it's, again, the Old Testament's addressing that brokenness and all of the brokenness that happens in this world. And the majority of all of our problems happen because of broken relationships. And broken relationships cause damage to the way that we think and process information in this world. And then we get to the New Testament. It says, be transformed, right here, by the way that you think. And then you will be able to know what God's will is for you, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so that's why when we look at this idea of mental health, mental health issues... Uh, we need to make sure that we understand to go to those who offer spiritual guidance because we're, we're asking questions that deal with the spiritual man. And if we go to secular professionals, they're totally missing the element of relying and trusting upon God. All right? Now, you can have your own opinions on that, but that is the opinion and the stance that we take as a church. And I'm super excited because we get to offer two mental health professionals here today who offer Christian counsel uh, and help. And so I want to introduce them now. Uh, the first one is Adam down there on the end, Adam Fidel. And uh, he actually has an office right here in the church. I met him about four years ago and uh, we really hit it off. And now I just call him a friend and a colleague. Uh, when I first met him and I was, I mean, we, he's got a brilliant mind. If you haven't ever met him yet, I'd encourage you just to meet him as an, as an individual. Um, and so we started talking and one of the things I was asking him some questions, he goes, well, I could counsel you or you can, we can just be friends. And I'm like, I just want to be friends. So I don't get to go to him for counsel, but we get to go to each other and, and have a lot of incredible conversations, deep conversations, um, and uh, just the things that he's learned over the years. It's been really awesome to be able to get to know him and to be able to support him and um, have his own counseling practice or therapy practice right here in our, in our church on Mondays. And then you can get to know him more after that as well. But... Uh, we also have Lynn Groen, uh, who is also here at the church, and I met her at Growth Track, 
and found out that she was a mental health professional as well. And so then I started talking to her. And then as as is true to anything that I ever do, before I ever endorse anybody, I have to go talk to them and find out more about them. And so they're both EMDR certified. I found out she was EMD certified and trained. And so I went to her to find out like how it really worked. Um, and so she practiced on me. And I got over my fear of the dentist. I, I'm, I'm for sure legit right here. I used to sweat like a beast going into the dentist's office, like white coat syndrome, untold. I went to her and I was full on engaged in the process, like no holds barred. And I was like, okay, that's a little crazy. But I had a dentist appointment coming up, which is why I chose this issue. And I went to the dentist. I didn't sweat. I didn't sweat a drop. It was crazy. So anyways, uh, it was great to meet her, fully endorse her. Um, it's phenomenal. She is now my counselor. Uh, so she's my friend too, but she didn't give me that stipulation. So uh, if I need... <laughs> So if I need counsel, I go to her. Uh, so it's really cool. They come here, um, and I've actually been back uh, since then because sometimes we need a mental health checkup, right? We don't. We we have the stigma in our society, especially in the church, that um, I think needs to be broken down, and that's why we're going to get into this topic today. So a couple of I, we've got several questions that we want to get to, um, but I just want to help you uh, see something by just their their websites up there and you think about our mission statement and our vision statement we humbly point everyone we exist to humbly point everyone to what absolute hope lynn is about building bridges of hope see that this was not planned and then our vision statement is we are transformed people changing our friends lives by absolute hope Oh, and Adam's just happens to be EncounterTransformation.com. Isn't that cool? Like, that's just the way God works. So anyways, there are other mental health professionals out there. We aren't saying these are the only two. I'm just saying they're the only two that are here today that we're endorsing. So um, <laughs> I'm sure you have good ones too, but they're ours that we think are phenomenal. So we're going to dive right in. And the first question that I want you guys to, to answer, and this is what... Uh, I want you guys to think about is how do you guys answer the question of faith and mental health uh, issues? Shouldn't a Christian just have enough faith in God to find uh, their healing in God over any of the emotional issues they may have? Especially when they say, well, I don't need a professional, I've got God. Uh, what would you say to people in that response? Yeah, we didn't go over who's going to go first. You want me to go first? Okay. Um, so I don't see it as a lack of faith. I think for anything and everything, we should always start with God, um, turning to him in prayer and in scripture. Um, but at the same time, sometimes there's things that we just are praying about and we're looking in scripture and we're just having a hard time getting over. And that's kind of when we could turn to mental health profession. Um, I look at it as let's say I were to fall off the chair and break my leg and a bone is sticking out of my leg, um, I will be praying that hopefully I'm okay, right? And turning to God in that. But I'm not probably going to get in the car. You're hopefully not going to let me get in the car and drive home with a bone sticking out of my leg. I'm going to be rushed to the hospital for a doctor to set my bone and sew me all back up. Um, or if on my way here, a bunch of lights came on in my white SUV, like Matt was talking about a few weeks, um, 
I would pray, please, can I make it to church so that I can be here to talk to all of you? Um, but if those lights stay on, I'm not going to drive across the country and just pray, I need to have enough faith that this gets fixed. I'm going to take it to a mechanic or to a dealership um, for them to fix whatever's wrong with the car. And that's kind of how I look at it with mental health. We turn to God, we pray, we, we do scripture, we do what we can, but if there's times that we're just stuck or things just aren't changing, then we turn to somebody that's specialized in that area and we come alongside you guys um, with God. We have faith in God. He's going to help it, but sometimes we need to turn to other people to kind of help us along the way. I love that. Your check engine light came on. So I'm going to add to some things that Lynn said. So um, first off, you guys are all human, and God created you, uh, which means he also gave you the ability to learn things and to discover things. Um, so along the kind of uh, doctor mechanic idea. So, uh, how many of you, um, go to a doctor? How many, are there any doctors in the room? No? Mechanics? Engineers? Yes? No? I can't tell. No one's raising their hand. Okay. Okay. So here's the thing. They understand the functioning of when you get in a plane. They understand the function of the human body. And so when you go to them, you're not going to them just because they are a doctor. You're going to them because you trust that they understand internally what actually works well, right? I don't think any of you would get on a, uh, if I was the mechanic of an airplane and you're about to get on the airplane and you asked me uh, what my credentials were and did I understand how planes worked and I said no, but I did pray about it. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure none of you are gonna get on that plane. Um, and so part of what you have to understand with our profession is uh, um, neurobiology, neuroscience, uh, and the study of human relationships inform the work that we do. And so I think from a perspective, if you find therapists who are really competent, uh, they understand the why behind things uh, that may or may not be working well in your life, whether that be relationally, emotionally, psychologically. Uh, and so I think it's really important to not um, just, you should absolutely pray. Um, but God did give us, everyone in this room, the ability to learn and discover things, and that's what scientists do. And science informs our field. Um, so I don't, to, to kind of divide it, uh, should we only just be praying about it or you should go to church and you should pray and you should read your Bible and you should, uh, you know, pray with your pastors. Um, but they may not understand the functioning uh, of what's not working well inside of you or in your relationships. And so that's where we come into play. I love that. I love that. Thanks, guys. Uh, the next thing that I want to, along those same lines then, okay, so let's say we finally realize that the check engine light is going on, we've driven too far, it's really running rough, our relationships are kind of falling apart. Um, what are the dangers of waiting too long to get help and how do you know when is the right time to seek professional assistance? Sure, so um, waiting too long. I mean, so most people wait to come into therapy when they're in crisis. Um, the same thing, most people wait to go to the dentist when their mouth hurts or their teeth hurt, right? So uh, usually not a good idea. Um, I think what we have to shift in, in terms of how we see the work that, that therapists do, um, is not only dealing with crisis. Um, it, it also can be uh, something that helps move you forward and strengthens you when you're not in crisis. Um, so if you ask yourself a question personally, uh, are things working well in my life? Am I the best version of myself? and the answer of that is in question, or you're not sure, 
maybe a good time to go talk to somebody. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a therapist. It could be a pastor, but then maybe your pastor's like, there's some things here that I can't really deal with. Maybe you should go talk to somebody who understands those things. So um, dangers of waiting too, too long. Um, worse things will manifest themselves inside of us. We're, we're screwed up people. Um, so if something's not working well inside of you or in your relationships, the longer you wait, uh, the more room it gives for other things that aren't good to birth or manifest in and out of you. Um, and so if you suspect any of that, if you're not living the best, if you're not the best version of yourself, what Jesus would want you to be, then uh, maybe it's time to go talk to somebody and see if you can move in that direction. Awesome. Lynn? Yeah. Um, so I agree with what you're saying. Um, just kind of adding to that would be um, with, like, when people are in crisis, a lot of times it's like, okay, we're going to do some marriage counseling because this is our last hurrah before we end it. And it's kind of like you're checked out um, or indifferent. Like, that's that's the waiting too long when you become indifferent. Even if there's a lot of arguing, that means there's still stuff there. Um, we can work with that. So um, we definitely don't want to get to, well, this is the last thing. We'll check this box before we're done because that's, that's too long. I would say, um, you know, do what you know to do, um, what maybe has worked in the past, see if that's working. And if that isn't getting where you need to go, then that's when we would turn, the right time would be to turn to get some more help. So. That's great. And I would just add, even from a pastoral perspective, is that there's no shame in asking for help. Um, and that's one of the things that the church has done really well of, is making people ashamed of seeking help. And so we think we've got to handle this all on our own, and there's something wrong with your faith if you seek assistance. Um, I will say, when I, you know, I went for the dentist, and it seems comical, but the reality is, uh, through the process, I had attached sitting there in that chair with every bullying moment that I faced when I was a child. And so going through the EMDR, if any of you have ever done it, it's from a psychological standpoint, it's absolutely fascinating. I was enthralled just by the experience because I was like, I wanted to learn more. But from a, just a practical standpoint, it brought back memories I didn't even remember that I had. Like it just it activated parts of my brain that I had shoved behind me. And if you would have told me that I was attaching bullying to the dentist chair, I was like, ah, you're crazy. Like, cause I would literally not get numbing medication cause I thought I just wasn't tough enough to go to the dentist. And so I was determined I was just gonna toughen it up and suck it up and go. And the dentist was like, you sure? I'm like, just get it over with. Well, that would cause sweat in and of itself, but I was addressing it wrong. And so I needed, I didn't even know I needed help. And then Lynn healed me. Like, it was like, that's awesome. I can even get a shot now and I don't care. It's like, it's not, a, it's not a tough thing anymore. It's a stupid, idiotic thing that I was doing before. So I still wait too long to go to the dentist. She didn't heal that. All right. So, <laughs> I didn't ask her about that. That's a different issue. All right. Uh, next question is, are there any common causes or issues that you guys uh, see in your office on a regular basis, like uh, depression, marital issues, infidelity, anxiety, addictions, whatever. Are there anything that happens on a regular basis? Um, like the roots of those or like that we see both and. Okay, sorry. 
Um, so yes, I see all of those. <laughs> um, those are common things that people do come in for. Um, I think the root around a lot of that would be um, undealt with trauma. Um, and people sometimes are like, well, I didn't have anything super bad happen to me in my life. Like, that's not necessarily trauma. It's what we link and what we believe about ourselves and others and God and the world to these incidences that can get us to where we are, such as being anxious or depressed. Um, within relational things, I think it's a lack of connection. Like we are made for connection. And when we're with that person and we're just constantly arguing or just can't get them to understand or them, us, we can't understand them, it's that lack of connection um, that just needs to have a few tweaks, so to speak, to be able to get to the right page. So. Yeah, to add to Lynn as well, um, in most issues that uh, I work with or treat, uh, the core of it is undealt with grief or pain. So it may be trauma. It may just be pain that you haven't, you haven't looked at or contended with, so to speak, uh, throughout your life. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean it is trauma. Um, Another thing to think about too, um, actually, can you, what's the question, can you read the question? So are there common causes that you deal with in your office? Yeah. And are okay, there common so, roots that would um, sure. tie them together? Sure, grief and pain. And so I would even say on the, on the relational front or the marital front as well, um, it's gonna link back to what I was saying earlier. If, if you are not fully put together, if you're not as strong as you possibly could be, um, mentally, physically, psychologically, uh, emotionally, um, then that's going to play itself out in context of the relationships. So if two people aren't put together as best they can be and are, aren't working on it, then you just have a mess of two people's chaos trying to merge together, and it's not going to work. Um, so a lot of it is individual, and then you have to help people learn how to uh, actually bond with and integrate themselves, uh, whether it's in their marriage or with their kids or their coworkers or community or whatever. Um, but it's going to start individually, uh, and if everyone kind of does their own individual work, uh, then you can move two people who want the same thing, who desire for some kind of marital health or relationship health, you can move them closer together. Um, so if, let's just pick two of the most common ones that I get asked a lot, even as a pastor, um, anxiety and depression. I'm sure that you guys uh, counsel several uh, in those, with those types of issues. Are there any roots that are similar that would that you could go directly to, or would there be helpful words that you could share with us today that would help us maybe um, cope with or deal with anxiety and depression a little bit better, maybe without coming to see you, or do they just need to come and see you? Yep. So... Um we don't have a lot of time, which is frustrating for me. <laughs> I told him he only Donald gets short get like a minute. <laughs> um, so <laughs> there's, um, and here I'm blanking, is it in Matthew? Um, do not be anxious. Everyone know that scripture, do not be anxious. Okay, so um, what's really cool about that? So anxiety, I don't actually look at anxiety. Uh, it's not an emotion by definition. To emote means to move. Anxiety does what? Keeps you stuck. Okay, so when you're dealing with anxiety, and it's a real thing, but when you're dealing with anxiety, more often than not, there's something else going on internally that you need to be paying attention to. Usually that's fear, anger, sadness, pain, something in that, or shame. Um, 
And what's really interesting, if you're, if you're anxious and you can, you can order yourself and, and plan things and stay focused, then you no longer have anxiety. And there's different uh, therapy. CBT is one that's used for that. Uh, and it's about structuring and, and disintegrating certain thoughts and beliefs you have and then moving them to a more rational and practical perspective. Uh, what's really cool about that scripture, though, do not be anxious. The scripture after that uh, literally says, be ready. Um, I, I should have. I should have brought it, but, um, but what's really interesting about it is like, don't be anxious, right? Be ready and prepared. And I think there's a direct correlation. There is neurologically as well. Uh, when you're clear and focused on what it is that you're dealing with or what you need to do, your anxiety goes down. And there's really practical ways to help you learn that or develop that or train yourself to do it. Awesome. That's great. Did you have anything else to add to that? Um, no, you worded that really well. Um, I guess... There's, uh, like, not to be shameful. Like, if, if if you're anxious, if you're feeling depressed, we all have these times in our life that it kicks up more. Um, or, you know, different cir circumstances happen, and we, we do kind of feel depressed, and we just can't get through it. Um, there are others that we just struggle with that constantly, and that's not anything to be ashamed of. It's just something that, we're struggling with. We all have our areas um, that we struggle with, that we have to work on a little bit harder than maybe other people need to, or that we need a little bit of help with. Um, so that's just kind of what I'd like yeah. to add to that part. Great. I have never looked at Matthew. The passage he's talking about is Matthew 6, um, and that's a phenomenal insight. So I've got to keep my brain focused on what I'm going here next. So uh, are there any, and we're going to jump ship a little bit from thinking about us as individuals. Now, for those of you that are parents, I want to throw in a couple parenting questions here this morning. Are there any key issues that you see parents dealing with in your practices? Or common, common issues? Yeah. Um, so I guess there's two parts of it. Like, a lot of times I'll have parents coming in. Um, in regards to their children and um, struggles that they have with ch their children. And then there's the other side of it of parents coming in and they're just overwhelmed because of everything that they're trying to do. So um, with that, you know, life's busy. And with just everything that's going on, um, I think that's a key issue of just not feeling overwhelmed um, how to get everything done while we're working and we have the kids and we have to get everything together, that kind of thing. And then the other side of with kids and just trying to understand, you know, the technical world and all that kind of stuff. And um, it is a different world than when we were growing up. It definitely is. And just trying to understand those things is what I see a lot with parents coming in. Sure. So, um, there's a way to keep your home in order, right? There's things, things are ordered in the world. And so if you want to keep, if you have, so I'm going to explain this as fast as I can. Uh, so if you want to keep your home in order, God, the marriage, you as individual, adult, the parents, kids, everybody else, right? So if you organize and you make decisions and you prioritize your life in that way, if your kids are overwhelmed, typically what I see is it's pointing to what? What's above the kids? Parents you as individuals. So I'm not saying there aren't young children who don't have issues that are outside of our control, but more often than not, 
if your child is struggling with anxiety, depression, some kind of mental illness, uh, it didn't start when you've just started to help them work on it. It started way back, you know, years before. Uh, and so your job, and I tell this to parents and marriages that I work with, it's like it's your job to keep your home in order and guide your kids. And so more often than not, if, I, if someone brings in there, hey, I need my 14-year-old to come in and work with you, it's like, be glad to meet with him, be glad to see what kind of goals and things he needs to work on or she. Um, but more often than not, real quickly, it turns to the marriage. Because if that's in order, your kids have something to look towards and they feel secure, strong, valued, all of those things. Um, and so if the marriage is not working well or it's not strong, then you will see your kids suffer. And I think that's in direct line with the way that I kind of try and make decisions throughout my life. Um, and I would encourage everyone to try and think through that hierarchy as well. What if we already screwed that up? Uh, take responsibility for it. Uh, put yourself back together. And then if you know you did something to your children or your spouse, uh, acknowledge it, take responsibility and ask for forgiveness. Um, and then you at least are, are building some kind of bond and bridge back to relational health, right? So if you screw it up, things can be fixed. Right? I mean, if you don't think things can be fixed, then... I mean, you're, we're sitting in a church. So I hope that everyone in here believes that things can get better, right? I mean, Jesus offers hope. It's not, uh, you know, well, I screwed it up, it's over. It's like, as long as you're still breathing, there's a chance that it can be reconciled uh, or redeemed. And so that may include pastors, that may include therapists, but, um, and don't give up. I mean, things could be worse, right? Yeah. I mean, they could be. I mean, I, we, no one wants them to be, so... Um, just believe that uh, you can play a part in things getting better. And I would, I would piggyback on that. Just remember, all things are reconcilable and all things are redeemable. That's what Christ does. That's why he died on the cross for us. And we couldn't be more um, passionate about that even as, as journeyites here, okay? So, and that's really why we have them up here is to help you understand that we want things to be reconciled and redeemed. And there are times where as a pastor, we can offer counsel, but there are things that go much deeper. There are times where things need extra help. There are times where you need uh, the understanding that happens within the mental health profession and the, the, the science that is um, coming out right now. There's not enough time in a day for a pastor to keep up on that. And so when we have two incredible people like this that are able to come alongside and help in those cases, I would just strongly encourage you guys, just understand nothing is beyond hope. Um, second thing I do want to ask with the parenting uh, questions is, what are some key things, because there are times where kids do need that time, When what are some key things that you've seen in children that parents should watch for that aren't directly linked to the parents? Is there anything like key moments that they should actually be watching for versus just being aware of themselves? Sure. Um, really common things if your kid's isolated at all. Uh, if they're, even, it doesn't mean if they're, you know, if they're generally introverted or they have a temperament that is introverted. Um, it doesn't mean that um, they need to be talking more. Um, but look, up until about four is the mark of when you have, uh, you can kind of properly discipline and, and so get your child ready to be socialized. So if, if you find them, regardless, you know, four is young, um, but if there's 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, uh, they're isolated, uh, they're not as, um, they're wanting to avoid things. They're not as interactive with friends that they typically would be. A friendship recently ends kind of suddenly and you're questioning 
well, what's going on there, right? I mean, these are all things that are normal things that even you would look for in adults. If adults, if something suddenly happens and you're not operating or functioning the way that you typically would be, it's the same thing. A friend of yours or your spouse would say, hey, there's been a pretty sudden shift or I've noticed you pulling back in these certain ways, what's going on? It's the same thing with kids. Awesome. Do you have anything to add to that, Lynn? Um, no, I just would say um, looking for a major shift, kind of like what you're saying, not necessarily if they just isolate, but it's just if they're normally going out a lot and really social and now they're withdrawn, or if they're normally quiet or not into something and then now all of a sudden they're like almost obsessed with something else, you know, just a major shift that you notice with them and that when you're talking to them, um, you're not getting too far or maybe they will tell you and you don't know what to do with that. And then you turn to somebody is what I would say to look for. Awesome. Um, and I would just also add with that as parents and as followers of Christ, be okay to tell your kids that you screwed up. All right. Be okay to tell your kids that you haven't always parented right. Give your children permission to not like you, okay? Do not demand that they love everything that you have ever done. Uh, you've got to give your children permission to be okay with the fact that you have not parented perfectly. Um, and that's one of the greatest freedoms you can give your children. And as far as I'm concerned as a parent and as, as a pastor, um, you're going to screw up as a parent. There are things that you've done wrong. There are things that your parents did wrong. You've inherited bad practices. You've learned bad practices. And we have to understand that those bad practices also impact our children. And so just be okay with that um, and be honest about those conversations. Be, a, be open with your children at age-appropriate levels, and that's a whole different conversation. But just be okay with, uh, like the sermon series, be okay with not always being okay, all right? And that gives your children permission to not always... Um, Number one, idolize their parent, all right, because that, that can happen too. But also we have to be careful that we don't stifle the ability of our children to be individuals and to actually express what's going on. Uh, we can create very unsafe environments in our homes, so work on that. Being open and transparent and vulnerable is one of those ways. Uh, okay, so going back to marriages, I do want to touch on marriages here this morning a little bit too. Uh, are there any common marital issues that you guys see or a common route to marital issues uh, that you guys see? Um, and then with that, if there is a common route, um, what do you do when there's one spouse that's willing to get help and the other spouse isn't? What kind of hope? How do you answer? Is there a common route? And then how do you answer that question? Well, what if the other person doesn't care to help and seek help? Sure. Um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to um, common issue, common core root of, of most emotional, psychological, relational issues uh, undealt with pain, grief, trauma, shame. Um, that's going to manifest itself in your marriage, in your parenting, uh, who you are as a coworker or a boss or whatever you do. Um, if one of you is willing to work on yourself and the other is not, um, part of it is remembering that... Uh, very often, if you put yourself together vulnerably um, or you are vulnerable, it actually empowers other people to do the same. And so I've seen it very often. Uh, someone's willing to come in, a spouse, uh, and, you know, the other's not, at least initially. Uh, and then they start to see 
some of the shifts that the one person's making and they're, they're either intrigued by that or inspired by that and or they want their marriage to be healthier. And so it's like, all right, well, there's some humility that comes in that. It's like, all right, well, they're, they're making an attempt to make themselves right and maybe us. Do I play a part in that? And if that requires some humility. You have to recognize that you play a direct part in how healthy your marriage and your family is. And if you're not willing to look at that, I would probably, I mean, more than likely you are not willing to confront things internally that you know you need to confront. And so um, I think the other person making an attempt and, and trying to put themselves together uh, more often than not is helpful and inspiring. And then I think it comes down to um, also the therapist that you're working with, really, um, and their ability to, to help identify what the, the common vision or the common goals uh, or the most healthy goals and vision for the family or the marriage would be, um, and then kind of help the two people see that together, that they actually desire and want the same thing. Yeah, um, I would say along with, you know, the hurt, the, how you listed them, um, pain, the first few things, <laughs> um, is that there's, again, that lack of connection. Like we all just want to really get along with our spouse, right? And have that deep connection that we had when we first met. Um, and because of sin, because of Satan, we struggle with that at times. And so we can, you know, it might be, well, if they knew how to do their finances or, you know, we have all these things that we think are the problem, but really when we're down below, it's, that lack of connection that we have with each other due to the hurt, shame, those other things that we need to address. Um, so if we can get to those roots of it, the other things will kind of go along with it. And then the second part of that was if there's only one person. Um, so I always tell people we cannot change or control anybody else. We can only change ourselves and we can only control what how we react, what we do, uh, what we don't do. So um, instilling hope in let's become the, the healthiest version of ourselves that we can be. And by doing that, we might be able to react or relate differently with your spouse. And then that will hopefully cause change in how your interactions go with them. Or they might see that you're acting different and like Adam was saying, get curious about that and then be a little bit more open to, okay, well, what's going on? Let me try that and go from there. Awesome. All right. We are down to our very last question. Uh, and uh, time has gone by really quickly, at least for us up here. And uh, I want to close with this final question, but I also want to let you guys know while I'm actually remembering it, um, we're going to have similar questions during the second service, but there's a whole nother sheet of questions that I have so if, you're, if you don't stay for second service, uh, make sure that you watch it online because there's going to be additional questions that we didn't get to during the first service, all right? And uh, I'll tell them vice versa as well. So just wanted to let you guys know that the second service, there will be additional questions that are being addressed here. So if you had, um, I was going to say three to five minutes. If you have three minutes, uh, which you do, <laughs> to be able to share uh, just something that you would love to make sure that all those in this room would know about seeking professional help and uh, as followers of Christ, and you want them to consider that, what would, what is there, what, as you part here today, what's that one tidbit of truth that you'd want to make sure that they leave here with today? 
That's hard. Um, he gave us some of these questions beforehand, and that's the one that I struggled with the most because it's like, how do I put that into three to five minutes? And it's so, you know, um, there's so many things that go on through your mind, and I'm using up my three minutes with this. Um, so um, I guess the one thing I want to instill in everybody is that there is hope that one little change can make a huge change down the road and that there is no shame in saying, I can't do this. I don't know what I'm doing. Like that's where God uses us. Like when we have our hands open and our hearts open, that's where he really steps in. And like, I find it a privilege to be able to come alongside my clients and just watch God move in that when they are at that place. So that's what I tell people. Awesome. Thanks. Sure. Um, uh, your life matters, um, and you're responsible for it, and you're more likely stronger than you probably believe you are, or at times think you might be able to become. Um, and it's your responsibility to put yourself together and move your life forward, and that is directly in line with uh, your relationship with Jesus or God. Um, and so uh, if you take responsibility for yourself, um, you can have a great impact uh, in other people's stories and uh, other people will be inspired by your story and other people need your stories just like uh, we need yours. And um, that's what moves us forward as just people in humanity. Um, and I think it, it, you do have to look at the fact that you're, you're not, you are here for a reason. I don't know what that reason is. If you believe that, then it's, it is your job and our job to figure out what that reason is and go after it. Um, and so, uh, if you take that on kind of as a mantle in your life, uh, then hopefully, um, you will want to create the best version, uh, of who you are or who you could become. Um, and you do that with God and you move forward and hopefully other people will follow you. So not you, but be inspired by you, um, by your vulnerability, uh, and by your courage. Awesome. And I will just piggyback on that. We have two incredible people that we, um, do endorse and one thing that I would just suggest and even when I suggest counselors and therapists to people I try to pair them up with who I think their personalities will attach themselves to and one of the huge components of getting help is making sure that you relate with the person that you're seeking help from um, and that's also why we have two people up here uh, because there are times where we need to if, you, if any of you have ever had a I'm not going to have you raise your hand but you had that bad experience it's important to understand it's not just been the individual you went to may not have been bad. It just may have been a bad mix of the relationship. And so we recognize that, and there are things like that that happen. So I encourage you guys, if you've ever had a bad experience, don't throw professional help out the window just because of that one bad time. Um, it, we have some incredible opportunities to seek transformation in our lives through the work of Christ, and uh, I'm just excited that you guys were able to be here. So let's give our guests two rounds of applause. A round of applause this morning for coming out this morning. And uh, I will say we're all going to be up here on the side here. So if you not out in the space, um, but they'll be here to answer any questions afterwards. If you want to come up here and ask them questions afterwards, uh, they're here to answer those questions. But let's close in a word of prayer, and then you guys are free to go. Let's pray. Dear God, we just, uh, again, come before you, and I thank you so much for this opportunity to share 
Lord, what you can do in our lives and how you can transform us from the inside out, Lord, simply by changing the way we think, the way we interact. And Lord, when we change how we think, Lord, it affects the way that we relate. And so God, I just pray that you would just uh, continue to uh, work within our lives. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody in here today that uh, needs to seek assistance, God, I pray that you just break down those walls of guilt or shame or intrepidation. Uh, Lord, that they would just uh, take that step and say, you know what, I I've been putting it off too long, and uh, I can't wait any longer. And so, Lord, I pray that today would just be an encouragement, Lord, that there is always hope. There's always the ability for you to transform our lives, for you to work within whatever situation we may find ourselves in. And so, God, just thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for the fact that we do have um, professionals that, that seek to help bring life transformation to people, and they're, they're doing it. Uh, not just from a, a scientific standpoint, but God, they understand the component that you bring to all relationships. And so God, just thank you for these uh, two sitting beside me, for Adam and Lynn, Lord, just the, their work and the hope that they bring to others. So God, bless them, bless their businesses and their practices. Lord, may they just uh, continue to find opportunities of doors being open to them of how you're going to use them in this process of life transformation. We love you, Jesus. Give you all the glory and honor today. In your name we pray, amen.